Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of What's on the Pile, a podcast that must sound like gibberish to anyone who hasn't seen the movie we're discussing. Also, <laughs> spoiler alert. Joining me this time is Shane Lee. Hey. Jane Belcastro. Hello. And Jenner. Jenner here. This week, it's a Bong Joon-ho double feature with Parasite, the Academy Award-winning film about class discrimination, followed by Okja, the Palm d'Or-nominated film about a giant adorable pig and the hideous torture she must endure. Both of these... <laughs> these, were, these were both on my pile. Um, I'm pretty sure you had all seen Parasite uh, uh, before, uh, before this. Yeah. Is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Caught it right, right when it hit video. Had everybody seen Okja? Yes. Yes, we had uh, when it originally popped on uh, on Netflix, but it, it had been a while, so it was uh, it was worth revisiting in this case. Yeah, I mean, it was. I guess it was on my pile. I added it as soon as it came out on Netflix, and then I just kind of didn't. I kind of put it off because what I thought it was about didn't really interest me that much. I thought it was like a family movie about a girl <laughs> and her little pig. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not not about that. It's the most R-rated movie of that type I think I've ever seen, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first half hour kind of was what I was expecting, although, you know, the first, the opening scene ends with the F-word. So I was like, okay, maybe this is not a family movie. And then it continued <laughs> to prove that it was not. Well, it's a family movie in the sense that, you know, some of the really hardcore stuff from the early 80s, like Watership Down or The Plague Dogs, were technically marketed as family movies. It's just this one, you know, it wasn't shy about the you know, F-bombs and, you know, animal torture. and yeah, We'll get back to that. Adult we'll circle, scenarios. We'll, 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 we'll adult circle scenarios. back to that. Um, I wanted to tackle uh, Parasite first, um, though I have to admit, b between the two, I find it, I, I, I get that it's super, like everybody loves it. It's an award-winning film. It's great. But I enjoyed Okja more. Hmm. You know, I think so. Parasite, I think, was the last film I saw before the pandemic, and um, I mean, I love the movie, but also this—that was a really, really awesome movie to see in a packed art house cinema. That's how I saw it. I saw it the opening weekend, opening weekend for the art house cinema, the, the Charles Theater in Baltimore, which you've been to, Nate. Yeah. Um, it was packed, and maybe I'm making an assumption, but I feel like maybe art house crowds have a more maybe delicate sensibility than maybe your Friday night. Uh, multiplex crowds so all the twists and turns and all the fucked up shit that happens the crowd reactions were just hilarious it was just it was just a great environment to see this movie where i didn't know what was going to happen i didn't even know what it was about going in did uh did you two uh jane and and jenner did you two see it in the theater we did not no we we uh we caught it uh we caught it at home uh but uh i i i've been i've been following bong joon ho ever since the host uh which yes. on on reviewing of uh of this uh i noticed a, a little bit of interesting similarity to the family dynamics uh, uh to the uh, to the host particularly uh, to the uh, the uh, protagonist, I guess that's the word, uh, family in, uh, <laughs> in in Parasite, in that they're 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 never fully competent. They are persistently half competent. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I found the family in Parasite. The I'll, I'll call them the basement family. I don't remember their names. I don't either. They're some of the most uncanny, specific manipulators I've ever seen on film. Like I watching, I thought maybe they. They must have some kind of inside track on this family, because they're they were just 
geniuses at playing this the rich family, I thought, to an almost unrealistic degree. But then the latter half of the movie degenerates into a long series of everybody, and I mean everybody, overplaying their hand, so to speak. Right. <laughs> Dramatically, and with great yeah. gusto. <laughs> it's it's you, you could call it idiot plot. You could call it uh, the uh, self-inflicted petard hoist uh, all over the place. Uh, it's uh, it, it, you could call it the the perils of thinking you've gotten away with something and sinking into a measure of complacency. And in the meantime, we're back in the theater cringing. It's like, there are so many things that could possibly go wrong right now. And because it's a movie, every last one of them will. That said, that it still remains uh, tremendously entertaining, even if it's one of those bits where you're thinking, geez, I wish I wouldn't do that in the same situation. I, I know, and I know I wouldn't. I mean, you know, if something's going good, don't mess it up, people. Yeah, I, I'll, have to allow, uh, I'll have to allow you, I consider, pretty fully competent, uh, Why, as, opposed to, per, as opposed to persistently half-competent, which... I'll uh, get I, you I that $5 later. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, to go uh, uh, to go back to uh, uh, to the host. The thing that I was thinking of particularly was uh, was uh, the uh, er, all of the uh, the family and the host was uh, supremely talented at something, but with some fatal flaw, such as uh, the uh, the Olympian archer who just never pulled uh, or never released. Her aim was perfect, but you know she always uh, missed the clock. <laughs> uh, that uh, uh, like you say, this uh, this reminded me of that. It's I guess that's what I mean by half competent. They're really good at something, but they're not really good at actually doing the thing they're really good at. Uh, after a certain point, I I like the almost sitcommy nature of that one scene in particular. The uh, long scene about them trying to hide under the table and clean everything up as quickly as possible without being seen. Uh, that entire sequence of events was. Very sitcommy yet yet tense as hell so to me. Tense. And if, I, if there was ever a movie that I would characterize as a Hitchcockian farce, this might actually be it. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say a little more, Nate. Oh no, uh, I just uh, I I found it interesting. Uh, uh, I don't really have anything else to say <laughs> well, about that. I don't. <laughs> it's true that the the even the most dire scenes are the ones where you're completely freaked out they managed to inject just a little bit of humor and it, it helps but it's still tense it, i think uh bong joon ho in particular is really good at, at injecting humor into horrific moments um with the host as a good example again uh when the creature actually comes out of the water and people are screaming and running away there's almost a comedic uh uh tinge to it uh in that it's it's so realistic the way people respond to the event that you laugh in spite of the event that's actually happening, which is people being eaten by a monster. Yeah, I actually haven't seen The Host since it was out in theaters, and the only thing I remember about that movie is the comedy. I just remember it being, like, weirdly comedic, despite, you know, the fact that, you know, the little girl gets eaten by the monster and actually dies. I mean, they get her out, but she's already dead. I remember the horror of that, but... It's just mostly remember the the goofy comedy in that movie. Yeah, the bit I always remember is uh, the the Olympian archer, you know, has a bead on the monster, you know, is you know, hold, got her arrow back, 
Monster runs right up on her and ends up thwapping her off to the side. Yeah, but, you know, the <laughs> targets in the Olympics don't move. So I would say <laughs> that's not no, a but, skill uh, that, that translates real world. I think uh, Bong Joon-ho, more so even than Park Chan-wook, who may actually have more of a reputation for this, at least amongst the uh, uh, the new Korean cinema directors, uh, is an absolute master at both the use and the gauging of the tone of absolute pitch black humor, which is a very rare and I think rather worthy uh, uh, talent these days. Oh, I would absolutely agree with that. The uh, the humor in in all of these films uh, is is very very smart, very smart humor. Uh, I've I enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, I think that's what made the um, the theatrical viewing of this movie such a delight. Just people were laughing and they couldn't believe what they were laughing at. I mean, just throughout the movie, and I think that's something he does really well in general. The witty I, I the wonder... witty dialogue was just fantastic. <laughs> I do. I wonder if uh, you talk of the experience of seeing it with a with a crowd. Um, I almost wish I had. I, I wish that I'd seen it back when it when when Parasite first came out, when everybody was raving about it, because I think that I heard about it so much. A lot of uh, a lot of it kind of got dulled. Uh, like I already knew a couple of things because I waited so long to see the damn thing. I ended up getting spoiled for a couple of things. And I wonder how much of that uh, took away from my particular enjoyment. Because it sounds like all of you just are like head over heels for this movie. It's not my absolute favorite of of Bong's pictures, but I did enjoy it immensely. Uh, I do find it interesting that it is so acclaimed. Uh, This was, as I understand it, the uh, first unanimous uh, Cannes Film Festival uh, Palme d'Or winner, that is to say unanimous vote from the jury, since I want to say blue is the warmest color, which I think was 2013, somewhere thereabouts. And uh, at the same time, of course, uh, now legendary and one for the history books for being the first uh, foreign language film to win a Best Picture Oscar. And I know we talk about how Oscars are bullshit and all the big awards are bullshit, but representation matters. And that's that's the award that yeah. people are paying attention to. And realistically, if we're talking about uh, Oscars are bullshit, it's probably because the movies that we were rooting for weren't even nominated. So <laughs> if this was a movie that we were actually rooting for, which at least amongst that roster, I certainly was. Uh, I am very glad that it won. I, th- I think it's fine to use the Academy Awards as as a. Uh, I think it's fine. I use it at the top of the show. Well, I actually am wasn't a hundred percent thrilled with this movie. It does have one of my triggers, which is good people doing bad things. I mean, at first it's really great. Oh, they're gonna you know they're gonna you know get on top of their of their situation. They're gonna do better and things are gonna go better. And it doesn't, <laughs> and that bothers me. And of course, uh, the lack of any real protagonist or antagonist is also disturbing. I find it disturbing. I'm not saying that everybody else will. Personally, I wasn't so sure about that part. Also, I mean, are are they good people though? Yeah, that I mean, that's what they... I'm saying. They aren't necessarily the antagonist. I mean, I wanted them to do well, and then I'm suddenly like. Gosh, I don't. I don't turn, like them just sitting around that, in these people's living room. That's such an invasion. Uh, I mean, as it turned out, for the most part, they were actually really good at the jobs that they faked their ways into. 
uh, which uh, I, I think is possibly one of the sort of underreported aspect of the picture is the only thing that was keeping them from doing perfectly adequately at what they ended up doing in the first place is one under the hood they're a little loudish and two they're low class <laughs> yeah i did wonder you know they, they turn out to be so at least initially so competent at what they're doing they're exactly the type of people that in this world that we live in would would be doing great i think and it's interesting in that world they're just folding pizza boxes they can't even pull that off right but they I didn't mean, turn as, that around I, I mean you know even then you could see them working together to get um get the son kevin we're gonna call him kevin because that's what the parks called him um <laughs> kevin uh was trying to get a job part-time there so you know they, they're real go-getters and so i like that i find that very appealing and i find it very appealing that they were so well they had the plan you know they had the plan and they stuck with it but then once i guess they got success they weren't quite sure what to do and maybe they got well obviously they did get jealous um they were talking about that after the parks had gone camping that they were complete that you know that they were jealous they wanted this life too and I mean, go, going back to my sentiment of uh, of half competent and overplaying your hand, the con here, and this is the part that, or this is one of the things I find fascinating about the, uh, the movie, the con here was getting into the position in the first place. You know, that's uh, think of an think of anybody you know who hasn't lied or at least exaggerated on a, a, a job application uh, at one point or another. When they got the jobs, they did the damn jobs consummately. Uh, that's the thing that I uh, w something that I find fascinating about the picture. I mean, granted, they had the extra agenda, but to the extent that they were doing the jobs, they were doing the jobs as the jobs. They weren't overreaching in that regard. <laughs> that, that, that's that's the. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, everything goes pear shaped later on, and there's whole other agendas at work here. I I do love these sort of multiple and manifold uh, implicit meanings of the title of the film. Uh, yeah, yeah. What yes. what is uh, what is everybody's take on that? Who are any of them parasites? Are all of them parasites? I think. I mean, probably more the latter than the former. But you go, you go ahead, Shane. Well, I was saying they're never quite clear on what the the rich husband does. Uh, I can't, I don't know their I can't remember their names. But from what I gather, he's probably like a finance guy, the kind of guy who just moves money around and. And in doing so, also just siphons money out for himself, like like the guys who uh who are currently losing money in the ongoing GameStop debacle. Mm -hmm. GameStop they, they don't create or do anything of worth; they just suck money out of the, out of society. And I feel like that's what this family does. And of course, the wife is just she just married a pretty girl, and they even say at the very beginning she's kind of dumb. She doesn't seem to have any kind of real life. They they, they exist for no reason except to take money out of out of our out of our world and, and spend it. So to me, I mean, they're, they're the real parasites. I mean, maybe that's a little too political or whatever. Or, or... No, it is absolutely <laughs> it, it... A, a movie about class and, you know, what keeps a certain class in a certain position and, and what keeps another class in a different position. And um, even the Nathan Park is the, is the guy's name. Um, even Mr. Park, uh, he said, you know, I just don't want anybody to cross the line. Uh, and he was very adamant about that. He wanted 
the people who work for him to be the people who work for him and nothing else. They were not family. They were not friends. He wanted them to work for him. And he wanted that clear line that don't cross the line. He had, he had a very rigid idea of what constituted everybody's lane. Yes. Yeah. And to that, this movie has this motif of like windows and boxes and lines, which I thought was really effective. They're constantly looking through windows at each other. There's always lines separating the haves and the half-nots. There's a, a great scene where, um, so the, the big scene in the living room at night when they're drunk and then they, they find the people in the, in the bunker and bring them up and they start all like grappling in the living room and it cuts to a shot from outside where you see through the window they're in this box and then the, the dogs start running out so it's just a bunch of animals in a cage just wrestling and grappling i thought that was like a really great shot oh yeah oh the cinematography throughout this movie is absolutely meticulous the the, the level of detail that uh, the that the, the camera eye catches is uh, kind of extraordinary i find I, I find it interesting that this is one of the first, I think, major studio video releases of a foreign language film that I can think of with a 4K uh, UHD release, which I think I still need to actually pick up at this point. Although, of course, it also has it had a fast turnaround for the Criterion, and I'm actually kind of curious to give the black and white version a look at some point. I might pick up that criterion. I'd, I'd like to know more about the production of the film. I I did not get a chance to research this one before the podcast as much as I'd like to. So um, I'd like to know a little bit more about it. And those criterion editions are so, so good. We, we know where you stand on the criterion collection, Nate. <laughs> yes, but the audience doesn't. <laughs> Realistically, the audience that we have now probably does, but still. <laughs> yes, that is true. Well, I'm forward thinking. Listeners. Exactly. For the new listeners. <laughs> I, I did want to bring up one thing. The, the, there was one problem I had with the movie initially, and I had the same problem. I don't know if it's a problem. It's something that bugged me. So... It's the same problem I actually had with um, my favorite Christopher Nolan movie, The Prestige. So I was so into the battle for The Prestige. I was so into the battle of wits between these two magicians, and then then he had to introduce real magic, and I was like, why? Why? I mean, I still love the movie, but I was like, why go there? And then you know, I ended up reading the original book, and he actually pulled back from some of the magic from the source material. There's actually more magical stuff in the um, book, but with Parasite, when they found that underground bunker, I was so into the story of just the family infiltrating the other family that when they introduced that element i was like okay do we need this this is the moment at which the plot reasserts its ugly head or given the way that the movie has gone gone this uh, thus far this is the moment where the plot asserts its ugly head <laughs> yeah i mean obviously it was part it's, we find out it's part of you know the master plan the master plan of this movie but at at that moment i was like i would have would have liked to just follow this this family on family thing just a little further um without introducing this sort of not outland well i guess outlandish element but uh yeah so that was something that um i thought not really detracted but i would have liked to see a different version of the movie that didn't have that well i think you're free to cut a fan edit that just fades out uh, uh at the bit where uh, the husband is gripping the uh, uh the wife's uh uh, uh shirt you know, shirt and everybody's laughing. Um, <laughs> it's like they won. Isn't they won. that a nice? Isn't that a nice story about a family of con folks? <laughs> leave you with leave you with the warm fuzzies. <laughs> I want to go back. Uh, I want to go back to what Shane was saying 
uh, earlier about um, the uh, who the parasite is and the uh, the business people. I thought that was a very astute observation, and uh, I I agree. Uh, I think that they are the parasites themselves. The business uh, the businessman, his family are the parasites on society, and I that's what I kind of assumed the movie was going to be about. It was just uh, the capitalism eating itself and uh, the war between us, the have-nots and the haves of today, the billionaires and whatnot. Um, I thought it was going to lean on that a little heavier, and it did. It did it more in allegory and and uh, and cine- cinematographies, like uh, the the way some of the shots are framed and that sort of thing. Um, but it it. It never, it didn't, it didn't expand upon that uh, in a way that I thought was satisfying for me. Um, I wonder if it goes to what you were just saying, Shane. It's, it's kind of a similar, similar yeah, thing. I, I mean, I wonder if he ran out of ways to, to lean on that point, which is why he introduced a whole other plot thread that you know then takes over the rest of the movie. Well, know, well I, you know, actually, I, you were talking about the symbolism with the lines and the windows and everything like that. The one scene that I that I love, like the well, multiple scenes, but when the town starts to flood, when the poor area starts to flood, I'm kind of like, is that his take on trickle down theory? <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's just a torrent of shit. But it, it, it that's just it. Exactly. It's an absolutely staggering set piece in any yeah. <laughs> The shit rolls downhill, but I I love that with the water just flowing behind them as they're running home and it, oh, it's stunning. All the Yeah, the girl the girl sitting on the toilet while shit is still spewing out from underneath her <laughs> from the edges of the toilet <laughs> i remember that shot in particular she's kind of squared up in the corner of the room with a cigarette i thought that's what i would be doing <laughs> <laughs> i just need a smoke <laughs> yeah. say watch out for swamp gas but uh um i'm i'd like to i'd like to talk about the ending a little bit uh before we take our break um how did everybody feel about the uh, the way everything culminated? And uh, people called it an orgy of violence <laughs> in, the, in the reviews that I was reading. Well, I was expecting, like, dead bodies everywhere. Well, there I was were three. The, Wasn't that enough? Th- Four, three. No. Four. No. <laughs> if, you count the, if you count the housekeeper. Oh, yeah, if you count the housekeeper. Oh, no, let's but, not and, count her. She was days before. <laughs> Forget it. No, I, I thought it was going to be a much more bloody ordeal. And uh, once I realized the film was more restrained than that, uh, I had to shift my expectations. Yeah, it was more of an orgy of chaos, I would say. It was definitely a very chaotic scene. I, it just wasn't a bloodbath. No. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it was violent for the straights. And of course, there was the cute little thing where the dogs are eating the sausage off the skewer, stuck in the guy's back. I loved that. That... I mean, that's the uh, humor. That's the dark uh, humor that I that we were talking about right there. Just and again, in the spirit of the absolute gallows humor, and I know that this is a little bit of uh, of uh, uh, one of your triggers, uh, Jane, as well. But at the same time, you have to admire the uh, the audacity of the callback. Poor Day Sun's uh, uh, um, epile- epileptic fits based on uh, seeing the ghost and the callback to that at, uh, at, uh, the, uh, the climax of the picture. That's just, that's, a, that's just one of those little perfect storm moments. Oh, and then there were two people bleeding on the ground and the kid was just having an epileptic fit 
And the parents were like, we just care about the kid. We don't care about the people who are about to die. And I, to a certain extent, I get that. I mean, I'm a parent. Um, my kid comes very high on the trauma. I mean, if, if he were bleeding as much as those other people were bleeding, yeah, I would take care of him first. But if he was just having a seizure, I think that I would, I'd like to think I would take care of the other people first, or at least make sure that an ambulance was called right away. From a standpoint of, from a standpoint of observing the, the, uh, from a standpoint of observing the class warfare of uh, of the movie, I think that's probably the most on the nose moment in the uh, in the picture. But I figure at the same time that's probably the point, uh, resulting in well, what it results in, which is you know one additional stabbing that probably wasn't necessary. Um, well, he did come <laughs> over to observe or get the keys or something. Oh, he was going to help, but. Nathan Park didn't no, like he, he the just smell wanted... of the guy, and then that's when the father freaked out, right? I think he was just just going to get the keys so he could leave. I don't think he was going to help at all. But, you know, the, the Parks throughout the movie, they weren't shown to be like overt monsters. They were just kind of subtly condescending. And I think and we needed that moment. Yeah, we needed yeah. that moment where they are just shown to be, just, just shown how bad they are, I guess. It's not so much the banality of evil as the evil of banality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I may have buzzed a word about this picture there. Thank you. <laughs> well, when you um, were talking on... about the end, Nate, I was thought you were talking about the end. End. That was what we. No, thought. I wanted to talk about that after the uh, the little lie uh, because uh, good when people talk about the ending, they mean the climax. Oh, but okay. uh, though the the end of the film uh, with the the patriarch uh, in. Uh, is spending his life in the basement uh, dungeon <laughs> uh, was very uh, very interesting way to end the film. I I loved it. It was very ghost like, uh, just it, haunting it, the the building. But wouldn't it, it have been remitted... easier for him to just go to jail? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, it it, it, reminded, to... it reminded me of yeah. It, it actually reminded me of the American ending of Old Boy, where he just. <laughs> Goes yeah, back into his cell. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And also, man, that's a long ass letter to write out in Morse code, just hoping the kid's going to show up and yeah. and interpret the whole thing. And well, see you it got... from the beginning. The fuck he has better to do. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's he going to do? Write his memoirs? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, he did, and now he's broadcasting them, but. Uh... Oh, no, man. no, I, I think it's a, a kind of a solid, poignant uh, epilogue, and I, I, I like sort of leaving it open because realistically, any definitive ending on that story was bound to be unsatisfying. Yeah. All right. On that, we're gonna take our break. Uh, <laughs> we'll be right back. back uh we're gonna be talking about okja uh this was on my pile um it's been sitting in my netflix queue forever and uh i just never got a chance to watch it until now um who else had this on their pile me same thing it's been on my netflix queue since it came out just never got around to it i think we saw it when it came out 
We yeah. saw it when, it when it was pretty new, not least because mm -hmm. of the splash that it was making as a pretty one of uh, Netflix's earlier uh, pretty major releases that were straight to Netflix. So, but that, and also, of course, uh, it was not that long, I guess. I mean, only a couple of years after we had seen Snowpiercer, which, for the record, is my favorite Bong Joon Ho movie, just for, you know, leaning into the abject deliriousness of its premise so perfectly. But, uh, so I was at that point very much excited to see what, uh, what he was going to do next and, uh, found this a fascinating picture. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's about a, uh, what is it? A super, super pig? They call it called? It's a, it's a pig. It's a lot pig. It's a lot more like a hippopotamus with uh, uh, Bob, uh, my brother. Actually, watched the first little bit of this uh, when we were uh, rewatching it last night, and uh, he had a uh, an interesting observation that uh, that I think really colors my thinking on the uh, on the picture now because. Bob is like that. He, you know, comes comes off as a slap happy jerk a lot of the time, and then every once in a while he'll say something that is so dementedly right that you can't believe it comes out of the same person sometimes. But uh, <laughs> basically, he said, you know, you have to appreciate the hippo for being a studious practicer of the Vulcan hello. If you recall that reference from the first season of uh, Star Trek Discovery, the Vulcan hello, of course, was for the Klingons, which was every time they saw them, they attacked them. Uh, <laughs> the, the hippo is, uh, is, is the single most dangerous animal on the planet. But basically what they came up with with the super pig is kind of like a hippo that doesn't have those scrupulous survival instincts. Or tusks. Or, or tusks. tusks. And and inexplicably, inexplicably can shit out fish. Oh. <laughs> Wait, is that? No. that was such a random scene, and then it was never addressed again. No, well, it wasn't. No, shitting. no, it, wasn't, she was, it, it was just poop and poop. It was just. It was just. It was just poop and poop. It was po just poop in in very well organized pellets that <laughs> fish Wait. like to eat, and that's why you saw. The oh, fish. I th I thought it was shitting out fish. No, it's <laughs> environmentally <laughs> sound crap. I thought it was shitting out whole live fish. No, like, I thought that, we were... that was not what that was. They were just <laughs> excited because okay. it was dinner time. Dinner okay. time at the maybe toilet. I was sitting too far away from the screen or something. <laughs> no, it's it's okay. I didn't put together that they were f uh, feeding the fish with the shit. I thought they were just shooting shit into a into a pond. Nope, they were feeding the fish, and then later, uh, you know, uh, hitting a security guard. Or no, wait, it was not security guard. It was the guy who Mundo. Was Mundo. It was, guy. It was Mundo, Mundo, the guy, the guy from Mirando, Mundo Mirando. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anybody have any leading thoughts on this picture? Um, well, well I actually, share... I do. But it sounds like Nate's <laughs> like ready to go. So go ahead. Oh, where was it? Um, no, you know what? No, I don't. I don't have it ready. Uh, why don't Why don't you go? You, uh, yes. Let's Let's hear your perspective on, I on this film. I am a carnivore, raised. Uh, oh, my father owns a cattle ranch. Um, those animals live idyllic lives lives in a country that you wouldn't believe there is you know he doesn't force matings i mean you know when the cow's ready the bull's ready that's how that works he you know um they have free medical free uh um uh what is it uh gynecology gross but <laughs> they they get everything they need for a few 
I'm just going to go ahead and put like maybe a couple of hours of pain, uh, you know, because the steers are obviously turned into steers. Um, that's not so good. Uh, that's not fun. But, you know, and then um, at the end, they go to the feedlots, which they try to make as, well, not feedlots to, to the, uh, well, some of them go to feedlots. Hopefully not. But my dads tend to go, you know, to organic steakhouses and stuff like that because he does do a very good job of uh, animal husbandry. So that being said, them being very anti-meat was like, oh, come on. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, people are entitled to their opinions, but, you know, I basically spent most of the movie wondering what Okja tastes like. I mean, that. I mean, I go to the Georgia Aquarium, and I better not go hungry because I'm wondering what all of those fish taste like fried in butter. Just saying. So, <laughs> there's even a scene where they 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 usher Okja right past the sign for Korean barbecue with a pig on it. Right. And I'm thinking, oh, I want Korean barbecue now. Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh, I, I'm not sure that that was exactly their message. Um, I'm not really quite sure what the message was. Uh, I'll be honest. And if anybody has any sort of in- insights on that, you know, I'm, I'm not sure greed. it was, I don't know. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I, I'm not sure it was specifically anti meat. I think it was anti industry. Uh, and when I say industry, I mean like in the industrial sense, the uh, capitalist uh, industrial complex, that kind of thing. Uh, that's I'm, that's what I took from yeah, it. Yeah, greediness over a... kindness. Or greed, greediness. I made up a new word. Greed over kindness. <laughs> I think I actually kind of agree with uh, with Nate on I don't think the movie is necessarily anti-meat per se. Uh, I, I, I think it's don't eat things with souls uh, to some extent. But uh, <laughs> Well, I'm sorry well, because you what, know, well, if no, I, I mean, ever get caught out or even actually just get a chance, I want to know what people taste like. Just saying. Um, I, <laughs> I know I, y'all I are like, it. come on. you got to be kidding. No. I'm going to uh, be my... honest. I, if it has a face, I would like to know what it tastes like. <laughs> okay. Possibly, wow. possibly, not, <laughs> possibly not something necessarily to advertise, but at the same time, we are a low listenership podcast. Uh, but well, I'm uh, not going to Hannibal Lecter somebody just for the hell of it. Yeah, well, you haven't I actually, actually watched have some you, morals. You, you, you haven't actually watched Hannibal. That might change I your have mind. not. That's, oh, because it looks delicious. And, oh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah talking yeah. about a show that makes you hungry. Food yeah, food porn. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I like I say, I am uh, I, I am a creature of the suburbs and uh, and parts thereabouts. I uh, one of my uh, life's uh, mantras is a man should never know where his food comes from. Uh, but <laughs> um, that being said, uh, I think sort of the, the, the my major takeaway from this. Is uh, is sort of the sci-fi what if of it all? What if we engineered the perfect food stuff, the uh, or the perfect food animal? It was relatively docile. It produced a tremendous amount of meat. Uh, it was super tasty, environmentally and, sound, environmentally sound, and as an unfortunate side effect, it, it happened to be sentient. Uh, and the movie doesn't indulge any easy answers on that one, which I actually appreciate it. I will insert that in Hitchhiker's Guide, they did breed an animal 
that wanted to be eaten. And I, I, on top of it, uh, played by played by Peter Davison, which is cool. Peter but, Davison but on, in the in the original audio drama, and I, uh, also did the voice for the BBC version. Yes. The thing <laughs> is, is that with this whole genetic breeding, or I mean, you find out that they are genetically engineered. They probably could have engineered them to actually agree to this, if not just make them, you know, so stupid that they, you know, need that, that's need to that, be cared that, for. That's going to be like Okja 3.0 or something. (laughs) 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 Experiment was a failure. Turn them all into sausage. Let's start again. That's sort of what I (laughs) thought that, was it Nancy? Is that the name of the the, the other sister? Oh, yeah. Yes. uh, Nancy was the especially evil sister. Yes, the especially evil sister. That's what I was getting from it. She was just like, uh, you know. Of all the lakes, of, of all the lakes, she's the one who caused one of them to blew up, to blow up. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, definitely the uh, they're leaning a lot more, I think, into the criticism of uh, capitalism and agribusiness and that sort of thing necessarily than the whole you know meat versus no meat uh, thing. Um, yeah. Simply because in this case the meat is well uh, 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 the meat is uh, is well it, it invokes uh, I, and I know I've mentioned this uh, relatively recently I think uh, I think I brought this up when we were talking about the last airbender a couple of weeks ago it's uh, it's uh, my children of men problem that films with premises that do not reflect accurate present reality must answer in order to succeed as films. Uh, and I do have to point out that, or I do, I do have to recall that uh, the, the moment at which this film really answered that question, of course, was the climactic se- uh, sequence in the, uh, in the stockyards where the, uh, the, uh, the, the mother and father uh, super pigs, you know, brave the electric fence long enough to kick their kid uh, out to Okja as Okja is, uh, is leaving. That that's the moment I always remember from this uh, from this picture. Uh, that's the point where it's like, okay, that's 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 the Schindler's List moment. That's the moment where it, where it really works. Well, considering that ending, where pretty much nothing in the story is resolved by the end. I mean, they get Okja back and go back to the mountains, but the the Mirando is still going strong under Nancy's leadership. The ALF is kind of still around. They're just like, we're going to get you one day, and they're kind of carried off. And well, they get well, the stinger Miranda at the is, they get the stinger. Uh, they get they get the stinger at the yeah. end, which yeah. I think we may have actually missed the first time that we saw. This. I think so wait, too. Is, I think. We, wait, is there something after the credits? Yes, yeah. yes, there is. Oh, I didn't know that. What is what, ha- what happens? Uh, 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 Paul Jay. Dano gets uh, Jay uh, gets uh, gets out of the joint and uh, is met by Kay, and uh, they they get on a bus. They are joined by the newest member of the ALF, which is the MirandoIsFucked.com uh, guy, the, the, the uh, pre- truck driver. <laughs> Previously, the truck driver, the truck driver uh, who uh, who uh, uh, tries to make a quick pass at Red, uh, and everybody on the bus except for this uh, one uh, you know, uh, fairly well dressed. Uh, o- older lady, uh, you know, uh, starts uh, putting on uh, uh, ski- uh, balaclavas, and they hand her one too. The the older lady, and she's just kind of staring at it, like what? <laughs> so that so that particular aspect of the struggle continues. But uh, I mean, ultimately, if we're to look at this as a girl and her weirdly docile but unusually intelligent uh, hippopotamus thing story. 
you know, ultimately it's a happy ending, at least for our central characters. Uh, our, our heroines are, uh, that being Mija and Okja, uh, are really the meat of the picture. They are. No, pun, so no pun. No pun intended. No pun intended. That was uh, <laughs> that was off the cuff, and I apologize for it. Um, <laughs> I didn't even get it. Now I do. Now I'm just sitting here stunned. All my be- was... all my best puns are accidents. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I was sure. I was so certain the entire film that Okja wasn't going to make it. I was like, this is that kind of film. Okja is not going to make it. There's no way. There's no way. And then it had a happy ending, and I was I was actually quite relieved. Quite happy. Well, yeah, but we'll look at all those other super pigs. They're all screwed. There's like well, thousands of them. I mean, you know, for who now, who cares it... about them? They're not our protagonists. <laughs> well, Paul Dano's going to save them. He and his friends yeah. are going to save them. I, guess. <laughs> I think it was uh, probably too late. They were putting them all into. Production, I wonder. But go ahead. <laughs> usually, if there's a movie, Netflix will let the credits play. But I feel like this one kicked me out to the. To whatever they wanted to show me next, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just turned it off. I'm pretty uh, sure that happened to me. Yeah, but <laughs> I know with like when when they had the Marvel movies on, they would let the credits play, I believe. But it's been a while. Maybe they just weren't aware of it. So possibly this movie is still on you guys' pile. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well done, gents. Well, I mean, hell, I think we missed it the first time as well, so probably worth uh going back and uh and revisit it doesn't add that much aside from you know there's still in theory some hope from this you know bunch of losers i mean they're 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 again they're half competent the alf is a half competent uh organization going going back to that that running theme in uh in bong's pictures uh you know some things they do very well I do love uh, Stephen Yen's uh, translation is sacred um, <laughs> yes. uh, tattoo as, as his mea culpa for uh, for uh, for that, uh, and also sort of the implicit joke of uh, of Stephen Yen uh, telling uh, Mija to learn English. It really opens doors because, of course, he's Stephen fucking Yen. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, a cat now Academy Award nominee Stephen Yen. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, going to be a, uh, I still need to see Minari at some point. That that one's actually on my list uh, now as well. Yeah, mine too. Can we talk about Mija? I mean, sure. th- she absolutely had her moral standard. She knew what who she was and she was not going to back down not to her grandfather, not to a, you know, huge corporation, not to the ALF. She was angry, angry, angry. I mean, even when they would try to show her some kindness or something, you know, like here, have some nice food or a nice dress. No, no. She only wanted justice. She wanted her, you know, hippo peppy pig back. She just, that's all she wanted. She be- Yeah. She became an action hero, like 40 yeah. minutes into the movie. As soon as she started, yeah. as soon as she started breaking into that building from then on, I mean, that was that whole sequence of, and then the chase through the, the streets, that was, that was a pretty breathtaking action scene. And she was, just crushing it. I mean, obviously she, it was a lot of it was know, going to be digital, but at the same time, the character herself is an absolute cannonball. Uh, yeah. I mean, she falls off the truck while it's going at full speed. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> is she dead? And then she's there, just there, a little, is, there little are some, up. there are some moments in this too. picture that, 
there are some moments in this picture that do distinctly defy physics, like the relatively early moment uh, where uh, Okja uh, saves Mija from falling off the cliff and ends up falling off the cliff herself, but is still miraculously okay. You gotta figure either that is one supremely solidly constructed creature, or it would have splattered. Um, <laughs> that's that's just how gravity works, guys. But well, it, um... <laughs> it did land in the tree canopy, and because it is bigger, the tree canopy was able to was a bigger surface area and hopefully absorbed more of the inertia. I don't know. I'm not a physicist. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, yeah. Just that's... just enjoy it. Let us enjoy it. Okay, sorry. Yeah, that's probably what happened. At the same poor, at the same time, poor Okja, who is so good-hearted and so sweet and such a beautiful animal, inevitably ends up as the gizmo of this picture, to a degree that I, I think would have, uh, to a fairly extreme degree, uh, that that sequence with the with the bull super pig is absolute straight up nightmare fuel. Yes, yeah. yes, I it is. don't believe I've ever seen a animal rape scene in a movie well, i'm not sure this. that it actually i'm not sure i mean i'm sure it does occur in some species but i i kind of read somewhere that with quadrupeds it's not exactly possible you kind of have to have some cooperation i could be wrong i i don't I know mean, but in, in in the movie it was straight up played as a rape scene oh absolutely yes. I mean, they was, leaned into yeah. that hard like telling me don't look at the screen don't look at the screen oh yeah Ugh. Horrifying. No, there's yeah. some. There's some. Um, it, it, it's yeah. No, it's an R-rated, unbelievably disturbing family film. That's that's the thing that I keep coming back to in my estimation. Uh, Would you show this to your kids, Nate? No. Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it. Yeah, yeah. I I will when they're a little older. Uh, but no, not not with uh not with the animal rape scene. That I just don't want to explain that. Mm-mm. It's an upset. It's a it's a movie with a tremendous amount of upsetting stuff in it, but the core of it uh, remains, a, as you said right at the beginning. Basically, a a a, a girl and her hippo puppy pig uh, adventure, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and they, I, mean, and they, I mean, and they come through at the other side, and that is as a viewer as a uh, who, who who doesn't really have any access to grind kind of enough for me uh i, I i'm okay with the open ending uh ask jane i mean to the point that it annoys her uh, some yeah. of the time i am all about embracing ambiguity when i think it works and i thought it was <laughs> just fine because they had that stinger at the end um that it, that we didn't know exactly what was going to happen maybe okja too i don't know i We'll see. I mean, obviously, he, you know, the director is quite busy and doing awesome things. So who knows? But. Yeah, what I liked about the movie, so the first half hour was kind of what I thought it was going to be. And then once Mija starts to break into that building, from that point on, I literally had no idea from seeing this scene what was going to happen next. What people were going to, every character was completely unpredictable. I mean, there were, a lot of them were borderline cartoon characters, but... I mean, by the climate, by the um, by the parade they've been building up to the whole movie. I mean, it was just utter chaos by then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it almost had like a made up as he went along quality. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know how what his process, what Bong Joon Ho's process is like, but it was just mayhem by the last like third of the film. I mean, which I really enjoyed, but it just was not what I was expecting at all. 
he he really likes doing those uh, mayhem scenes, huh? Like uh, yeah. in the host as well. Yeah, no, I think yeah. I I think he's actually uh, an artist for making mayhem seem natural when in fact it seems uh, at least at the development side i think it's extremely carefully planned yeah yeah it, it actually made me, his his mayhem scenes made me think of fellini with his like pageant parade type scenes like they, they, they just both really like that type of thing and they're both good at it i mean in totally different ways oh absolutely I don't. I. I mean, you. You. You mentioned sort of the uh, the characters bordering on cartoons. Can we talk about Jake Gyllenhaal in this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Wow. Uh, I. What I, a, what I a love the prospect. I, I, like the only thing that I could imagine watching uh, watching this was they took Jake Gyllenhaal, that Jake Gyllenhaal, and told him, "No, no, bigger." And he's like, "Are you sure? Are you sure? Because you know, sometimes people find me a little off putting." No, no, go I bigger. Mean, you, you guys have you guys have seen Nightcrawler, right? Oh yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I I had just recently rewatched Spider-Man: Far From Home, and I, even though he's kind of a jackass villain in it, I forgot how like charismatic and handsome and dashing he can be when he wants to be. And then I saw this movie like two days later. I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Do you figure he lost uh, like you know seven pounds of water weight just to look emaciated for it? Uh, <laughs> he probably love... really climbed up that mountain in that, in that opening scene where he shows up. Right. He, he looks cracked the hell out uh, for this movie, but it works for the character like gangbusters. He's he's like gross sweaty for the entire film. Yes. And, and, and it and is so funny seeing him being so awkward and nerdy and evil. Um, yeah. It, when, you know, you, you can, he is a very nice looking guy, and yet he managed to like really just change everything about his posture and his mannerisms, and he's just like, Total, sp total spaz. Creepy spaz. He just seems creepy from the very beginning. I, I actually kind of consider him to be the the ultimate villain of the film. If the film has a true villain, it would be him. Mm -hmm. uh, he's the one who who perpetrates all of the torture on Okja, um, and the way he does it, like he'd been funny up to that point, but he's still doing the same performance, uh, except he's he's removing pieces of flesh from poor Okja and it just became this whole other thing altogether this almost smarmy uh disgusting performance it, it wasn't really comedic anymore in that moment for me and and that continued through to the uh to his last appearance where he gets called out finally that whole thing where he's screaming and spittle spewing out his mouth I love animals it's like Holy cow! I I, I, th yeah. I I think you you may be actually be right on with the uh, the idea of him being the actual villain or 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 at least sort of the ultimate villain of the movie because unlike the other villains of the movie, he actually realizes he's the villain of the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas you know both Tilda Swinton's and you know Lord bless Tilda Swinton uh, carry over from uh, uh, from uh, the Snowpiercer cast and uh, supposedly signed for a forthcoming HBO Max Parasite series I found out uh, today. So apparently really? she really likes working with Bong Joon-ho. Uh, I always take it as a good sign when uh, when directors start sort of assembling stock companies because, well, it, it means that they're good people to work for or with. But in any event... Uh, both of the Tilda Swintons were doing exactly what they thought was the right thing under the circumstances. The publicist was, you know, doing publicist shit. I mean, they're inherently evil anyway, but it's literally their job. Uh, the 
of Giancarlo Esposito doing his, one of his smoothest Giancarlo Esposito uh, routines. <laughs> she shows up dressed as Gus Fring. I didn't even know he was in this movie. <laughs> in the opening scene, he's wearing like the blue suit. Yep. Esposito is one of those actors where you pay him to play, if not himself, then at least his on-screen persona. That's that's why you put put him in the picture. Uh, and nobody is better at Giancarlo Esposito than Giancarlo Esposito, and and you know God or whoever's in charge love him for it. I like how uh, Tilda Swinton once again got to play two parts in one movie. Mm-hmm. She, she's got a little habit of doing that, doesn't she? I said uh, that last night. I was like, this is one, one of those movies where Tilda Swinton plays two people again, right? <laughs> <laughs> she's exploring the dualities of the human experience. <laughs> she's brilliant. Yeah, she's Absolutely. brilliant. We really need to talk about the Suspirias on this program sometime, but... Oh. Uh, uh, leave leave that aside. Uh, just uh, just yeah. to li- just to lie there and uh, percolate for a bit. But uh, I mean, Swinton, I've never seen her uh, her set a foot wrong in a performance, uh, even even at her broadest and most cartoonish as uh, as she was in varying degrees. Uh, both I mean here and uh, previously in Snowpiercer for uh, Bong Joon Ho. Previously, she manages to mine humanity out of utterly hissable characters which is a sort of extraordinary talent in its own right when she's playing a cartoon she's playing an interesting cartoon when she plays a human you better watch out um, <laughs> so i i don't know it's uh it's not a perfect film i don't know that i can point to anything that i would consider a reasonably objective flaw in it it's if I'm going to ding it on anything, it's going to be that one little physics hiccup and, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe Mija not getting a little bit more road rash from falling off that truck that time. But uh, <laughs> no, aside, uh, aside from that, just the, 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 the sheer moxie of, uh, of uh, our, uh, our human heroine and our non-human heroine, uh, I, I think makes it a really uh, a really enjoyable film despite the really upsetting parts and uh, ultimately I think you know very moving and something that uh, I that sticks with me it's something that I think about uh, just randomly from time to time which I, I take as a good sign for any picture as long as it's not thinking oh I put myself through that this is not that movie <laughs> I I do uh, I want to say the uh, the digital effects the realizing a digital character like this I I think this is probably one of my favorites of of all the digital characters that are out there you know your golems and that kind of thing Okja really kind of inspires emotion and uh, that's hard to pull off from a digital character yeah yeah I mean I, I I didn't even think of her as a digital character for most of the movie I mean she just looked completely convincing and the actors you know looked like they were acting with the real animal i mean however they did that effect it was it definitely was convincing and, and her in her own big weird lumbering way she's so beautiful mm-hmm. I, I won't actually yeah i don't i don't know i mean i i, I like how the, she interacted i liked her expressiveness um <clears throat> maybe just a little too much hippo puppy pig um i don't know i for some reason i think I would have liked her to look I don't know different not 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 I mean, so hippo-ish if, if she'd been more pink I wonder if that would have been 
quite as alluring. I don't know. And I'm not sure I would like may, that either. I, yeah, it may, it may have felt more weird. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, have you tell. seen like uh, Highland cattle? You know, those big red fuzzy horned beasties. Maybe if she were furry. I think I might like her better than I don't know. <laughs> oh, if, yeah, that'd probably she, do it. If she if were furry, they if if she were furry, they would never even consider eating her. Are you sure? <laughs> I mean, they certainly could make you know like fur collars it's, out of or like hundreds of them. Is, but coats. she's so cute. Yeah, but, yeah, but they don't go to the slaughterhouses. They don't see yeah, them. No. They just yeah. they're just numbers to them. That's right. They're just products. And instead of killing. 10 dogs or 10 or uh thousand you know what 500 uh minks you know you could get like two or three coats out of her just saying do, lo- do love that line never uh, never have we fallen so in love with a creature we so look forward to eating um, <laughs> or or however it was exactly it was something that like that but yeah it I was something it. like that and they kept I, saying, I, I, I think she's I so, be... they, it's so delicious. They kept passing out samples and everybody kept talking about how good she must taste. And I'm like, yeah, I could go for some of that. So <laughs> I'll freely allow. I was curious about those sausages they were handing out. I, I was know. like, I was about to... I would have eaten that jerky. And yet I felt <laughs> yeah, but... a little bit guilty because that's what they were doing, the, the right thing. But, you know, I, that makes me defensive and uh, it's a whole, it was well, a whole was thing, like, and that's probably why I didn't enjoy it a lot. If you if you have the best, most high-quality, tastiest pork in the world, why would you make jerky out of it? Why wouldn't you, I don't know, why, why, why would you make, like, they were making, like, jerky and, like, Slim Jim-type Because they needed to out pass it, it out it, to crowds and have it have a shelf life, you know, because it was going to be a parade, and probably a fairly if, warm one, because nobody was wearing any coats. So what you're, well, actually it's telling Na- me it's as Nancy it's as Nancy said at the end of the uh, at the end of the movie you know face feet hot dogs oh uh, no asshole or anus I think anus, anus. Yeah. yes yeah <laughs> can I can I mention incidentally the amazing detail of the split second shot by the uh, by the pond of Oakja's anus. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't. I missed that. <laughs> no, I, I I missed it on the first viewing as well. But I, I I just saw it. It's like my what an incredible amount of detail they have put into that creature's anus. Oh, um, <laughs> oh, I guess I guess they did because they had a full on shot of 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 Oakja shitting multiple times, and well, that comes out of the anus. Yep. yep. <laughs> How many like, times I, can we say anus on this program? I'm thinking uh, anus, anus, anus. Again, going to oh, the extraordinary. My, my brother's le- eaten chicken anus before. <laughs> I, I, again, going to the extraordinary level of detail and attention and care they put into it. I, yeah, I, they really did. No, I, 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 I firmly believe that, based on this and the other pictures of his that I've seen, that Bong is just an absolutely meticulous uh, filmmaker in about every conceivable way, and he's one of those characters I'm always interested to see what he's doing next. One reason he makes such good movies. Um, I think that's, uh, we're running out of time here. Does anybody have any final thoughts they want to share on Oakja? Anus. <laughs> but, and but I still a, want to taste her. I'm sorry. So, But it's a beautifully rendered anus. A beautifully um. rendered anus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I would, if, if they were handing out Oakja jerky, uh, yeah, I would definitely take one. Oh, I would I'd, eat that. I'd, I'd still eat it. I would too. Yeah. It would. It'll be delicious. All right. Uh, let's end it there. It would be fucking delicious. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. 
Next week, we've got a Studio Ghibli slash Hayao Miyazaki double feature with Castle in the Sky, a sort of skybound nautical adventure film with airships and excitement, followed by Spirited Away, an adventure of another kind as a little girl becomes trapped in the spirit realm and she must navigate her way back out. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at What's on the Pile or visit whatsonthepile.com. Thanks for hanging out.